Answers are superior to questions. Solutions are superior to problems. Light is superior to darkness, even as salvation is superior to damnation, and as Christ Jesus reigns superior over Satan. Childlike faith is superior to skepticism's fear, and life is superior to death. The camps are two, and the differences between the two choices stark the 180. Christ Jesus lays out the choice in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born again, born of the Spirit, born a second time, releases one from the law of sin and death. If you have yet to be born again, make your choice for Jesus Christ and eternal life, while the door of salvation is still open. Leave the sin and life's confusion behind you. Do it now, for today is your day of salvation. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now, for today's subject. God said, Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God said, Isaiah 59, 10, We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. God said, Romans 1, 21 and 22, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Man said, Man's science has my answers. Man's medicine has my healing. Man's wisdom has my confidence. Now the record. The God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, squarely defines its creation. Basic timelines and means of creation, the description of how man has fallen into such a state of disarray, and the plan of salvation have been declared in his holy word. Everything a man or woman needs to know to navigate successfully is recorded. All the questions that man puzzles over, where did I come from, who am I, what is my purpose, and what will be my end, are so simply answered, so childlike, and so true. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature article 690 that will once again certify the inerrancy of God's authorized King James Version of the Holy Bible. All of these features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the faithful and as bait to be used by the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Be sure to take advantage of three very useful tools on God Said, Man Said. One, you have questions? God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword into the search bar top right and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. Two, use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It's so quick and easy. Three, Imagine, you can download nearly 170 hours of God Said, Man Said features to your electronic device. Listen to one every day. Psalms 19, verses 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard.
Instead of embracing the obvious, fallen man, like his mother Eve, seeks another way, and his foolish heart is darkened. Jesus Christ is the true light, and when he is rejected, the only other option is darkness. Several examples of this obvious conundrum are in today's breaking news, but before we consider the latest foolishness, review the following excerpts from the God Said, Man Said feature, 911 Average Years and the Egyptian Reigns. It reads, Psalms 14.1, The fool hath said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Because of the evolutionist rejection of the very obvious God of the six-day creation, their thoughts have become carnal and empty. Their hearts are unable to see the truth, and they become fools. According to God, their intelligent quotient has dropped precipitously. Just a couple of examples of foolish positions taken by the camp of the unbelievers would be the dinosaur, the dinosaur that evolved into a hummingbird and the water buffalo that hung around the water too long and became a whale, and the whole class said, No kidding! Is that how it happened? Dr. Henry Morse said, Evolutionary belief is a remarkable and largely unexplained phenomenon. It is a belief held by most intellectuals all over the world, despite the fact that there is no real scientific evidence for it at all. Evolutionists allege that evolution is a proven scientific fact based on a multitude of scientific proofs, but they are unable to document even one of those supposed proofs. End of quote. The world celebrates Darwin's birth and his 150-year-old book on the origin of species, 150 years of foolishness. When you approach the world through the eyes of unbelief, the results will always be devastating. If in the computer between your ears 2 plus 2 equals 5, your conclusions will always be incorrect, no matter how articulately you argue your point. End of quote. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Their Imaginations Became Vain. Pseudoscience says there is no God. One of their widely believed claims that in the beginning there was nothing. This nothing then exploded, and from this explosion of nothing, all life had its beginning. These absurdities are spoken as truth, and all the students to whom this is taught say, No kidding, is that how it is? So the intellectual community refuses truth, becomes foolish, and offers up foolishness on the plate of pretend wisdom to their constituency, and in concert everyone says, no kidding. Remember the meteorite from Mars with so-called tiny fossils? This was promoted by the media as proof of evolution, and everybody said, no kidding. Within months of the huge media fanfare, science disproved this notion. But did you see or read the retraction? Probably not. Evolutionists were forced to come up with a plausible theory on how sea-going mammals such as whales, dolphins, and porpoises evolved. Remember, mammals supposedly evolved from the sea, so how did these mammals end up back in the water? Some evolutionists suggest that an even-toed land mammal like the water buffalo is the likely candidate to have evolved into the present-day whale. They speculate that the water buffalo liked to hang around the water a lot, and over eons of time his hind legs simply fell off, and his front legs changed into flippers. And the science student said, no kidding. The water buffalo's hairy hide simply changed into smooth, thick blubber, and his nostrils slid up to the top of his head to form a blowhole. 
Then his tail evolved into flukes, and because he was floating around in the water all the time, his body became enormous, and the student said, Isn't that interesting? Sound absurd? Do you think I'm exaggerating? The following excerpt is from Volume 50 of National Geographic, written by V.B. Sheffer. The whale's ascendancy to sovereign size apparently began 60 million years ago, when hairy, four-legged mammals in search of food or sanctuary ventured into water. As eons passed, change slowly occurred. Hind legs disappeared. Front legs changed into flippers. Hair gave way to a thick, smooth blanket of blubber. Nostrils moved to the top of the head. The tail broadened into flukes. And in the buoyant water world, the body became enormous. Have you considered the wonders of the tiny hummingbird? It flaps its wings up to 200 times per second, hovering in midair at will as it thrusts its long beak into flowers in search of nectar as it busily helps pollinate the flowered field. Not only can this marvel of aviation hover, fly backwards and forwards, but it can also fly upside down. Well, here's big news. According to evolutionists, the hummingbird was once a dinosaur. In an Associated Press Service release dated May 21, 1997, Fernando Novus of the Museum of Natural History in Buenos Aires had this to say of the 20 recently discovered fossil bones. It is the most bird-like dinosaur ever discovered. He said it gives powerful new evidence that birds evolved millions of years ago from dinosaur. Novus went on to clarify and say birds are living dinosaurs. He also said parrots and hummingbirds are also dinosaurs. Lawrence M. Whitmer of Ohio University said, It's important new evidence saying that birds can properly be viewed as dinosaurs. And all of the students said, No kidding! Evolutionary paleontologists were eating crow, or should I say dinosaur, because of the debacle concerning the newfound fossil that was supposed to be the missing link connecting dinosaurs to birds. It was the bird-like fossil with a meat-eater's tail that came out of northeastern China, touted worldwide as the missing link proving evolution. The November 1999 issue of National Geographic trumpeted the discovery. Unfortunately for the wizened world of paleontology, it turned out to be a fraudulent, doctored-up chicken. Finally, consider this idea. Evolutionary biologist Robert May was quoted in the January 2001 issue of Discover magazine. The more we learn about genome, the more it teaches us about our own place in the web of life. For example, we share half our genes with the banana. Actually, it would be more accurate to say that bananas share half their genes with us because their genome is smaller. This is a fact more evident in some of my acquaintances than others. The article's author said, This year, the mapping of the genome shocked us, revealing a truth even more humbling and amusing. We are not just monkeys, but their favorite snack as well. The title of the article is, Your Cousin, the Banana. And the class of students said in concert, No kidding! God said, Men who reject his word become fools and vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart is darkened. End of quote. The 2014 headline in Science News reads, Zebra stripes may be anti-fly defense. The basic question was, how did evolution create the zebra stripes? Several paragraphs from Science News follow. 
The best explanation of the iconic stripe's function turns out to be discouraging bloodthirsty tabinid flies and tsetse flies, Cairo and his colleagues report April 1 in Nature Communications. Other experiments have found that flies prefer landing on solid colors instead of contrasting stripes. The analysis gets at what functions the stripes serve now, not what drove their original evolution in ancient climates and ecosystems, Cairo says. Scientists may never know how zebras, zebras, pardon me, first got their stripes. Altogether, the case is compelling, says Ines Cuthill of England's University of Bristol, whose favorite hypothesis had been dazzling predators. He's cautious about declaring the function of zebra stripes absolutely resolved, but he says he now ranks Cairo's evidence for flies as the leading contender in the queue of explanations, end of quote, and the whole class said, no kidding. The headline on the cover of the May 2014 Scientific American reads, A Crisis in Physics. The subhead reads, If supersymmetry doesn't pan out, scientists need a new way to explain the universe. Several paragraphs from the multi-page feature follow. For decades, physicists have been working on a beautiful theory that has promised to lead to a deeper understanding of the quantum world. Now they stand at a crossroads, prove it right in the next year, or confront an epochal paradigm shift. Supersymmetry postulates that every known particle has a hidden superpartner. Physicists love supersymmetry because it solves a number of problems that crop up when they try to extend or uh, their understanding of quantum mechanics. It would also potentially solve the mystery of the universe's missing dark matter. Physicists hope to find evidence of supersymmetry in the experiments at the Large Hadron Collider. To date, they have not. If no evidence arises in the next run of the LHC, supersymmetry will be in trouble. The failure to find superpartners is brewing a crisis in physics, forcing researchers to question assumptions from which they have been working for decades. Indeed, results from the first run of the LHC have ruled out almost all the best-studied versions of supersymmetry. The negative results are beginning to produce, if not a full-blown crisis in particle physics, then at least a widespread panic. The LHC will be starting its next run in early 2015 at the highest energies it was designed for, allowing researchers at the ATLAS and CMS experiments to uncover or rule out even more massive superpartners. If at the end of that run nothing new shows up, fundamental physics will face a crossroads. Either abandon the work of a generation for want of evidence that nature plays by our rules, or press on and hope that an even larger collider will someday, somewhere, find evidence that we were right all along. All supersymmetry theories imply that every boson particle has a fermion partner particle, a superpartner, and vice versa. Because none of the known boson and fermion particles seem to be superpartners of one another, supersymmetry can be correct only if the universe contains a large number of superpartner particles that have eluded detection. Therein lies the rub. In the simplest, most powerful versions of supersymmetry, natural supersymmetry, the superpartners should not be that much heavier than the Higgs boson. That means that we should be able to find them at the LHC. 
Indeed, if you would have asked physicists ten years ago, most would have guessed that by now we should have already found evidence of superpartners, and yet we have not. The Higgs may hold other clues. The discovery of the Higgs boson shows that there is a Higgs energy field turned on everywhere in the universe that gives mass to elementary particles. This means that the vacuum of empty space is a busy place, with both Higgs energy and virtual particles producing complicated dynamics. One might then wonder, if the vacuum is really stable, or if some unlucky quantum event could one day trigger a catastrophic transition from our universe to a clean slate. Supersymmetry acts to stabilize the vacuum and prevent such mishaps, but without supersymmetry, the stability of the vacuum depends sensitively on the mass of the Higgs. A heavier Higgs implies a stable universe, whereas a lighter one implies eventual doom. Remarkably, the measured Higgs mass is right on the edge, implying a long-lived but ultimately unstable vacuum. Nature is trying to tell us something, but we don't know what. End of quotes. Nature is trying to tell them something, and regardless of the upcoming discoveries, the answer will still be Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The headline in the May 2014 issue of Discover magazine reads, Why is E.T. M.I.A.? A few excerpts follow. In 1976, the twin Viking 1 and Viking 2 landers touched down on Mars and initiated the most ambitious effort ever undertaken to seek life on another world. The robots scooped up soil and ran four experiments. In one of them, a sample was incubated in a nutrient broth. It immediately emitted a belch of carbon-containing gas, most likely carbon dioxide, and for a staggering moment, it looked like Viking had found an alien biosignature, chemical proof of biology in action. Then came the gloomy realization that the chemicals of the Martian service could produce the same effect without the aid of microbes. The other Viking experiments came up empty. NASA's official verdict was no evidence of life at either landing site. As a result, the real-world version of first contact may fail to answer the deepest question. Is Earth an anomaly, or is it part of a huge community of living worlds? We are still completely in the dark about what transformed non-life into life, Davies says, and if we don't know what the process is, we can't estimate the odds. Fortunately, there is a way to investigate that question here and now without the expense and excruciating schedule of a space mission. If it's the case that life emerges readily in Earth-like conditions, then surely it should have started many times over right here on Earth, Davy says. Maybe some local aliens still live among us and we just haven't recognized them yet. End of quotes. Headline, June 2014, Discover Magazine, Are We All Martians? The subhead reads, Conditions on early Earth may have been too extreme for life to begin, but not so on our planetary neighbor. Several paragraphs follow. To begin thinking about this, science first need to figure out how a genetic molecule capable of jump-starting life might spontaneously arise from a prebiotic soup of organic compounds. An obvious candidate, DNA, 
hides in the cells of every known living organism, and is endowed with the ability to encode genetic information and make copies of itself. But many researchers in the primordial biology game, Benner included, focus instead on RNA, or ribonucleic acid, a biological precursor to DNA, that can also store genetic information and self-replicate, but arises more easily from organic materials. In his lab, Benner has already reproduced the chemical steps that culminate in the creation of RNA. He found some of the key challenges that RNA would have to overcome naturally, two obstacles that suggest Mars was the more likely spot for life to originate. One, first, is the so-called water paradox. Around four billion years ago, our planet was inundated with water, many geologists have concluded. That's problematic because water corrodes RNA, literally making it fall apart. Mars, on the other hand, was significantly drier and more hospitable to RNA. Microscopic life, he says, might have first taken hold on Mars and then caught a ride on a space rock to our planet where things evolve from there, so to speak, it's not as crazy as it sounds. In the meantime, as you gaze in the mirror, adjusting your hair or noticing a new freckle, consider the increasingly likely possibility that the strange creature peering back at you is, in fact, a Martian. And try not to panic. End of quotes. The whole class said, That's interesting. God said, Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God said, Isaiah 59.10, We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. God said, Romans 1.21 and 22, Because that when they knew God, They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Man said, Man's science has my answers. Man's medicine has my healing. Man's wisdom has my confidence. Now you have the record.